How weird. How freaking poetic is that, right? Pluto enters Capricorn. Banks fail. Pluto's like, what, what have you learned in the last 15 years, everybody? Oh, you still have these banks? You still are doing this, like, crappy system? Fail. Move into Aquarius, right? So it's a big deal. Like, we're, I, we've not learned much. Hello, love. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Julia Henning. OG Shedonist, conscious life and relationship coach, master of psychology, and spirit junkie. And I invite you to join me as I explore the big questions and even bigger feelings of what it means to be alive. Casual, right? I offer myself as permission to hang up society's mask and slip into something a little more authentic. From philosophy to psychology, inner child to inner demons, sorcery to sexuality, I tap into it all. So So leave your labor at the door Uh, and make the mundane magical again. Welcome to the permission portal, your safe space for radical permission. Are you ready to up-level with someone who gets it? Good. Let's go. Welcome back. I'm your host, Julia Henning. This is part two of the two-part astrology episode with astrologer and my dear friend, Ryan Marquard. In part one, Ryan and I break down the language of astrology. We examine aspects of how astrology is utilized, and we debunk some common myths about the art form. In this episode... We dive deep into what the stars have in store for all of us this year, Aries season, the moon phases, the age of Aquarius, and an undisclosed peek into my very own birth chart. Woo, casual, right? (laughs) This interview was so deliciously enriching, I had to split it up into two parts, and you're getting both parts this week as an additional bonus Be sure to look out for part one and part two, both dropping this Tuesday instead of Wednesday. I promise, guys, you're not going to want to miss this one. Ryan and I go there. Ryan is a full-time professional astrologer based in West Hollywood, California, working with clients all over the world. He spent more than a decade as a publicist and creative strategist, consulting with a wide array of companies, celebrities, startups, and nonprofits. Now, Ryan uses his background in communication to translate the language of the universe for individuals and companies, helping them find more personal and professional fulfillment in all areas of life. His goal is to augment your relationship with the universe, empowering you to expand your self-awareness, unearth new pathways of potential, and confidently carve out your place in the cosmos. Also very casual, right? (laughs) But before we get into part two, I like to start off every episode with a little grounding first in what I call good juju. So wherever you are, I invite you to take a deep breath in, in through your nose, and out through your mouth. Now wherever you are, you can do this. So let's do it again together. But with this next exhale, I want you to imagine all of your to-do lists 
emails, phone calls, text messages, worries, stressors, and anxieties slipping away, letting them go completely. Imagine just for a second them lifting off of you. And smile. Trust that everything is waiting for you after this time together. But give yourself permission to tune in and to tune inward. Take one more deep breath in and ask yourself on a scale of one to 10, where is your mood right now? And in good juju, I always like to pull a oracle card or do something that bolsters the energy of what this deep dive in this episode might be. It's usually a message that is meant for someone, whether it's me or someone listening. Last episode in part one, I didn't include our card polls, mostly just because we had so much to talk about that I really wanted the episode to be about that. But we definitely have room in this episode to talk about both mine and Ryan's card. I'm going to save Ryan's for the end of the episode, but for me, I pulled from the Beyond Lemuria Oracle card deck by Izzy Ivy. And I called upon number 44, which is shine your light. This card says that there is no one like you and no one can be as you as you can. You are amazing. When you take time to do what truly makes you shine each day, you will light up and bring joy to other people's worlds. You'll go about life with a sense of purpose and feel naturally inspired to fulfill your responsibilities. You will also have more energy and love to overflow. When we're doing what we love, we can bring so much goodness to our hearts that it filters into other areas of our lives. Yet, when life is demanding of us, we give up the things we love to make way for more practical pursuits. Does this sound familiar to anybody? (laughs) When we finally come back to these pursuits, we wonder why we waited. It takes discipline to do what we love, especially if you're a natural giver. There can be a strong cultural belief that fulfilling a creative need or our own needs is selfish. I, Julia, personally like to call this being soul-centered, not self-centered. When you do things coming from the soul that fill you up with this light and fill up your cup, you're able to then offer that filled cup to other people. You are filling up your soul to give to other people. And though some people may use the term self-centered, I don't necessarily believe that that's such a bad thing. Self-absorbed and selfish have a lot of connotations and some stigma. But if you can reframe when you're doing something from a soul-centered place, you naturally become somebody who attracts that soul-centered intention. The irony here is that tending to our own needs harms none and we will have a lot more to give but i do think it brings up the question of where can you shine your light where can you grow enthusiasm in your life where is there more purpose to be had consider how you can be more aligned with your passions so that you can harness your light i always tell people or i guess rather i've had people tell me we joke i guess of me being a lighthouse. And I think that this is possible for anybody, honestly. I think everybody is their own lighthouse. You are a firm pillar. You are a sturdy structure. You are 
a foundation grounded in the earth. But you oscillate with your turning light and whatever you shine that light on is what you illuminate. It's what you give warmth to. It's what you bring to life. So where can you shine your light? And when you do, what does that do for the world? I encourage you to regain compassionate empowerment and remember what lights up your world. I also want to disclaim that I am not a licensed therapist. As a friend of psychology, I highly recommend seeking out a medical or mental health professional if you are experiencing any psychological or medical issues. I focus on consciousness, both in life and relationships. Now, let's dive in. Let's talk about what's happening around us right now. I think we've given everyone a really good framework about how to understand astrology, how it sort of plays into our lives and sort of what role you play in that. And before I open myself up for you all to know what's going on with me, when you guys are listening to this, we will just have had a new moon in Aries and about to be starting Aries season. So can you talk a little bit about what people can expect during Aries seasons and also why are there practices and rituals that are correlating to different moon cycles that people practice? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> right? Um, yeah. Casual. It's so good. Uh, <laughs> uh, Aries is like really important because it's the start of the Zodiac. Um, and so this is the actual like new year that people should be celebrating. It's like why a lot of people don't stick to the new year's resolutions when you make them on January 1st, because the calendar doesn't follow astrology. <laughs> um, and it's the dead of winter. Nothing's growing, right? So your intention is not going to really grow for the most part. It's like what 9% of people stick with their new year's resolutions. Um, so, like starting with Aries, it's the beginning of spring, the spring equinox. Like when the sun mm. moves into Aries, that moment, it's the spring equinox. So it's like everything starts bursting. Like it's just like there's potential. Aries is the as the first sign of the zodiac. It's like the first sign of life itself. So um, it's just got such a good energy to it. This is when people should be making their vision boards. Like it's going to stick for the year ahead. Like I think that's so important. Um, make your wishes and intentions in general in Aries season. It's just a good time to get things going. New moons and the lunar cycle in general is you're such a, you're a cancer. It's like, of course you love the like moon cycle. Me too. <laughs> um, uh, True. It's, I don't, I, you say why. And I'm like, well, I don't know why. To be honest, I don't, I don't know why. I know that this is just like a thing that's always been farmers to this day will plant their crops <laughs> and harvest. It's like in the farmer's almanac, like they got like all the new moon, full moons like listed every year. Um, it's because it's just this, it's just known that if you want something to grow, you, you do it when the moon's growing in light, right? When it's waxing, um, and then you get the full moon and that's the time of harvest. It's what that represents that moon phase and harvest is like, you know, you, you reap what you sowed. Like, <laughs> that's great. Um, and then the moon wanes and then it's this time of like reflection and settling down and like preparation for the next growth period. Um, so you, you can use it in any way, shape or form. It's really interesting. Like, um, there are astrologers who will say, I've not like toyed with this. I toy with the moon cycle constantly, but, um, if you, if you want like your nails to grow really long, cut them at the new moon. Cause then they're going to grow. <laughs> you know, like stronger, your hair, like there's so many things that you just, you don't want to start anything when the moon is decreasing in light, you know, it's like fading. 
um, which is not a bad thing. If you're born in like in the in the moon phase, that's like a light decrease. It's actually beautiful because it means the soul chose to incarnate, already knowing how to take something from nothing to fulfillment. So wow. those people actually have a good job at like starting getting what they want, but then their job in this lifetime is to show others, like how to give of themselves, give their resources, right? Like that farmer at the full moon has the apple tree and it's got all the apples, right? But then as the moon fades in light, it's not fading and getting dim. It's called the light being given out. It's like dissemination of the light. So um, it's like, what are you doing with all the apples as they fall off the tree? Cause it's like, it's one farmer and you got a whole, ton of apples right like what are you doing you're gonna preserve them for the winter like and like i don't know keep them or like uh give them out to neighbors like what do you do so those as the light is fading it's a good time to be like giving back just assessing your resources trying to help people who might need something um yeah let things go release too Mm -hmm. same with the full moon that's really interesting like i'm I don't know. I have a very different experience with the full moon. Like everybody says, it's like a time of like endings and culmination and closure. And I'm like, I mean, culmination I kind of get, but like, I don't feel the need to like heavily release at a full moon. I'll do it like after (laughs) the moon's fading, (laughs) but like the full moon's full now. So let me, let me love that. Yeah, (laughs) It's a heightened energy for sure. But yeah. What about that? You know, the full moon, you know, we grew up kind of on the saying like, Oh, the loonies come out at the full moon. Like what correlation does that have on human beings and this full moon energy? Oh my God. You know, I've studied this. I've loved that you <laughs> asked this question. I've never actually got to talk about this. Please. Um, I love this because, okay. It's funny because, you know, like you hear like that it's like statistically shown that like people are crazier, like m- murders increase at like the full moon phase. Right. Um, I was like really fascinated by this and wanted to like know what I was talking about. <laughs> so, and weird it's not true <laughs> it's not true really yeah there's no correlation with like the crazies but what is true and studies have been done on this is like therapists psychiatrists note that people feel like more intense we like, had to learn that during school yeah they, they literally experience that like the people who are dealing with people with problems right um so i think that's interesting it's more anecdotal i think um but these are like professionals right who do research (laughs) well that came up a lot when i was studying postmodern theory that we would talk about when would people be going through different rhythmic like neuropsychological patterns and i was the only one in the class who brought up the notion that i was like well have we considered like the esoteric application that on full moons the people who have a little bit of a neurological imbalance there was sort of a correlation that there would be active aggression or active sort of um I would say imbalance is the best way to put it around a full moon cycle. Nobody was talking about this at school though. I think one thing that like has not been studied as far as I know is like basically like your personal full moon, which means like we're not Mm -hmm. all born, not the same moon cycle. Right. So like we know collectively how the new moon full moon kind of like is, and it is good to like tap into that collective energy when there's a new moon and a full moon. But like I was born when like in the, New moon phase, technically, but like really close to the where the moon's got the sliver of light, waxing crescent phase. So that's like my new moon, you know? That's my like time to get things going. I don't want to, I won't like write a wish list on the new moon when the moon is dark, right? Like that, I just, I can, but it's not going to be as strong for me. My natal moon phase, that's the moon phase. That's my, my moon phase. So I want to use that, right? But then the moon phase opposite that, right, is the, 
it's my like my version of a full moon. So I think it'd be really interesting. Or like, you know, when the moon's halfway full, that that would be like your phase to like use. But then the phase opposite that, when it's halfway empty, right? It's um that's like your version of a full moon almost. So it'd be like that I would like to get studied. Like what's your personal kind of new moon, full moon, your moon phase, and then the opposite one basically. And if that changes, like data, I, you know, like mm-hmm. if, do you feel better when you're like at the natal moon phase? And then mm-hmm. when it, when the moon's opposite <laughs> that phase, like are you, is everything crazy for you? You know, I don't know. I don't know. I find for me the crazy, <laughs> really, I get so stressed. And I to this day forget it all the time. Um, is when the moon is closing in on my natal moon. Like it's called the balsamic moon phase when the moon's almost out of light. And it just, it just hurts. <laughs> like I just mm. hate it. That, that one is like where I just like, I'm so emotional. Like I thought it was so hard. I always have to remind myself it's the balsamic moon, my balsamic moon. Sure. This is going to be a little maybe, um, out of your wheelhouse, but I figure we're here. Let's just see what happens. So when women talk about their menstrual cycles and we're talking about our moons, some people will refer to it as that. And there's obviously, as we say, a cycle that happens. Some people will even talk about the seasons of your menstrual cycle. Um, How does that relate to what we're talking about? So interesting. No. um, Okay. So, cause like I've read stuff about this. I didn't like absorb that knowledge cause you know, just physiologically it's not like applicable (laughs) to me, but it is funny because I did, I did know more about it at one point in time and I've just like lost that information cause I didn't keep going. I can't, I actually can't even remember if there is a connection there like between, Oh, like if that's sort of like the killer theory right, that isn't true like on full moons I don't know that women ever like really did sync up with a moon cycle it just happens to be like the same time frame so it's interesting and it's a cycle right like these words happen for a reason so there's sure. this connection there symbolically I, I think that's really interesting um uh I I don't know what to make of it um I I don't and I think it's also interesting because like now we think of the moon as such a feminine thing right it is so like because it's emotional. I mean, whatever. But it, it, the planet, the only quote unquote female feminine planet is Venus. The moon was always a man. So it's really interesting. <laughs> I think it's just interesting Oof. that there's this like feminization happening to the moon now. Um, but that's where I'm like, I don't know when this would have changed. Like if they always thought of the moon as more of like a, a masculine energy originally like when did it switch over to start getting tied to women's menstrual cycles i don't know i think actually no no now it's coming back to me it is okay because i was learning this when i was looking at all this moon cycle stuff Mm -hmm. like with the killers and whatever it i think it was (laughs) no seriously um and i don't think it was a proven thing other than it's just like the timeline but um being the same but i think they tried to show like that women when they're on their period like it happens more at the full moon because they act crazy like men back in the day that was like crappy men right that's what that was um i don't remember much more than that though something that is certainly not crazy is women thriving in their authenticity and their business which is why i'm so excited to share this sponsor over the last year i found myself cultivating a business that involved deep inner healing wild adventurous travel life-changing relationships and more ideas than I could count. 
The vision had been conceived for what I was going to do in this world. And after carrying this mission for so long, I realized I needed a brand doctor and a business doula. I needed help organizing my ideas and designing a brand and a website that felt like me, which is why I enlisted the amazing services of Shea Spaniola Creative. Shay helped shape my business's mission, vision, and purpose with consistent brand messaging and comprehensive web strategy. She refined my marketing and sales goals while creating a brand that my customers and listeners would vibe with. Whether it's building a website that shares your story and services, or creating a social presence that serves as an extension of your brand, your identity, your soul, Shay Spaniola Creative can seriously do it all. We had so much fun creating our brand, and when I worked with Shay, I felt so seen, so heard, and so deeply inspired. And as a special treat for our listeners, she's offering 10% off when you use the code CREATIVE10. So visit her site, ShaySpaniolaCreative.com. That's Shay, S-H-A-Y, Spaniola, S-P-A-N-I-O-L-A, Creative.com for this and more. Now, let's dive back in. It's really interesting, but it's like also, yes, it's linked to intuition and the idea of the subconscious, right? But these are new terms. Like these yeah. are like a hundred years old. So this is all new. Um, I just think it's interesting. I don't know. Like I don't I, I don't have like any other thoughts on it other than like just to say like consciousness itself evolves. Everything evolves, right? Like and this is a really cool part of like not, not to go on a tangent, but I think this is dope. And I think you dig it. There's this whole thing in astrology where it's like, you know, for thousands of years, we could only see up to Saturn. Like with the naked eye, you can only see Saturn. Like, so we didn't think anything existed beyond that. We would see the constellations, right? And it's like those are gods or whatever mm-hmm. the tradition believed. But um then we had technology, right? And like found Uranus and it was like, whoa, there's more out there. And Uranus is the rebel planet, right? Like it's got all these things. So it's funny because we will, when we discover a planet, it's kind of like its consciousness comes online and then we access it. (laughs) We get access to it, but the naming of it is also really important. And it's not astrologers who are naming these planets. So it's funny that these like, NASA people now, right, are, are using, like, mythological names. Like, uh, so then Pluto, just for example, was, like, 1930, I think, was the exact discovery of Pluto. Um, astrologers will kind of wait, you know? They'll go back and track the cycles of this. Like, they got to, like, see how it's moving, and then they can, like, retroactively see what was going on at certain periods and what p- aspects Pluto might have made and try and guess, like, its influence on certain life events. But then... As that happens, it's like, then they name it Pluto. Pluto is Hades, lord of the underworld. At the same time, um, psychology was taking off. And they're learning about this thing called the subconscious, under the mind. That there's this whole world below consciousness, Mm -hmm. right? And so, uh, and they name the planet Pluto, Hades, lord of the underworld. And now we have this idea of the subconscious. Like, it's just bizarre to me like it comes on and then it totally then you know I don't know uh talk therapy and psychology took off and now it's like self-help and mental health and Pluto is so tied to people's mental health patterns like it's crazy (laughs) well and then didn't Pluto get kind of kicked out of the line it did and that was the whole thing too I wouldn't get into that but yeah yeah well just talking about years before again we really jump into mine is there any like big things that we can leave the collective with who's listening 
with what's coming up this year or just something that's sort of happening in 2023? It's a huge year of transition. Like that's like my biggest thing. I I am not one to shy away from like the rough stuff at all. Um, But I also hate the idea of um, spreading panic, (laughs) fear. I hate that. Like what what a terrible use of this, you know? Um, but it's good to be real about things too. So this whole year is a like very historic year as we've been having quite, quite frankly, if go figure 2020, like whatever, I want to get into that. But this year, another historic year, but it's so transitional. Um, Saturn just changed signs for the first time in two and a half years, but it's been in signs that it rules for the last five years. So it's been a very strong Saturn. It's a difficult planet. Typically. And Pisces, very different energy. It has very little to do with Pisces. So it's going to be a very different feeling with Saturn. And Saturn's one of those planets we'd see with the naked eye. So we experience it more, you know? Um, Pluto is just about to change signs into Aquarius. But this is like a, like every astrologer is just like talking about it. I feel like to get like the likes and the views and crap. And like, I hate it so much because they're sensationalizing what it is. It's only moving into Aquarius, and it's a big deal. It hasn't been in Aquarius for 250 years, right? Like, and these were this correlated with the revolutions the last time it happened. Um, so it's a big deal. Aquarius is that revolutionary, like, activist, right? Pluto is a collective planet on the outer edge of the solar system. So it impacts us generationally, and it explains the generations we're born into. Like, millennials are were born with Pluto and Scorpio, right? Um it's, I know there's all this <laughs> I know so we have the purest freaking form of Pluto because it, it's the modern ruler of Scorpio um, anyway uh, Pluto going in Aquarius is really awesome I mean because it's a huge change Pluto in Capricorn has been very hard it's been in Capricorn for 15 years Capricorn is like societal structures institutions um, government politics big pharma banks right it's crazy so it entered and it, Pluto is the planet of death, but also creation. It's like transformation, regeneration, evolution. Um, so, it, But it has to destroy to create. So when it entered Capricorn in 2008, just to give an idea of like the Aquarius thing coming up, entered Capricorn literally 2008, right away, 2008, economic collapse. It was just like, oh, these massive structures that we rely on are now just crumbling right and then it's like pluto is a very subconscious right so it kind of like capricorn is that big earth sign so it goes like subterranean it's very like pluto it's like un- been underground these last 15 years and that kind of like emerges its ugly head <laughs> it's just like it causes total upheavals i'm sorry we've had like nothing but breakdowns in our societal institutions right now it's literally days away from leaving and what did we just have silicon valley bank second biggest collapse since when since the 2008 economic collapse how weird how freaking poetic is that right pluto (laughs) enters capricorn banks fail pluto's like what what have you learned in the last 15 years everybody oh you still have these banks you still are doing this like crappy system fail move into aquarius right so it's a big deal like we're we've not learned much you know it's just like it's like very weird Pluto and Capricorn energies came forward because what else are you going to do? Uh, it just happened. Uh, it's now Aquarius equalizes, which is cool. Capricorn's hierarchy and structure and like few people in the power at the top, uh, tons of people at the bottom with no power, right? Aquarius, interconnected systems, um, community aid, right? Like, so Pluto is like, 
are you guys working together now? <laughs> like, you yeah. know, so it will enter, like I'm saying this to like kind of give a theme of what Pluto and Aquarius will be like, cause it will be there until 2044, 20 years, <laughs> big deal. Um, but, and it will be revolutions and all these like crazy things, t- huge advancements in science and technology and all this, sh- all this, <laughs> sorry, I'm trying to, to cuss, um, but it's going to be you big, big here. deal. Big, okay, cool. Uh, dope. Uh, huh. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it really will be. It's going to be amazing, but it's also going to be like, uh, terrifying because that's just Pluto, right? We face these like very real disintegrations of things. Um, Aquarius, like the downsides, it's like group mentality, like hive mind, like it's kind of like very culty energy with Aquarius of like, and it's Aquarius can get really um, dogmatic about what it believes. Um, It'll be all all sorts of things, but we will have like wild advancements in science technology. It's just going to be like (laughs) freaking off the charts. Like honest to God, I think we're just going to have these like, I just feel like Pluto, by the time it leaves Aquarius, we're just going to have these, like, sound healing chambers where they'll finally figure out something about, like, sound frequencies and literally be like, oh, you're sick? Move into this chamber, you know? <laughs> like, and it won't be a business. Whoa. It's community support. Like, it's things like that. I just think that's going to happen, especially with the other planets that are moving. Neptune's moving into Aries, the first sign of the Zodiac. Neptune takes a very long time to go around the chart, too, right? It's a new beginning with spirituality, right? And, like, it's, like mystical energy coming into play while we're learning a lot about science and technology, spirituality and science and technology, right? Split. Now there's like this interesting, mm, can we work together again thing coming up while Uranus, the planet of sudden evolution, like it's like the quantum leap planet. Like it's like the internet being born all of a sudden and changing life, right? AI, artificial intelligence. Uranus is going to move into Gemini. The last time that happened, we had like crazy, it was like 80 years ago crazy advancements in like you know film photography like everything like so computers like uh, phones the radio whatever all these like really crazy advancements that just transformed the way that we um live our lives so these three planets the three outer planets are all gonna like make these huge huge changes in the next few years um the pluto one is the one everybody's gonna hear about the most this year yes it moves into aquarius march 23rd but just to put a cap in it it retrogrades back into Capricorn on June 11th. It's just going to dip in. It's not even getting one full degree into Aquarius. And so I want everybody to stop freaking out about it. It's not a big deal. It's really not. It is a big deal. You want to downplay it. It hasn't been there for 250 years. And it's, you know, it hasn't left Capricorn in 15 years. It's a very different energy for sure. But it is subterranean, right? It's subconscious. It is so slow moving in the background. One of my friends just referred to it as like the background music of our collective experience. It's the background music, right? Sometimes you're going to notice it, but not often. We may notice it on a collective level. Personally, you're not going to notice it. I, I would be shocked if like I, the vast majority of people will not notice Pluto's moving into Aquarius for two freaking months this year. You know, it's like whatever. It may be a little sneak peek though of like collective things i'm very curious to see if pluto like does some wild stuff like if there's any like um riots like this like activist thing i think like with aquarius that it goes against the grain pushes back against power structures that are unfair and unjust pluto i think could really pull some moves out and i think it will over the next 20 years but i don't know if much will happen in this little brief window but everybody's so freaked out about it and I don't think that's a good idea because Pluto is fear too it's like don't get scared of this unless you literally have your sun moon rising at like zero degrees of Aquarius which I know people who do (laughs) it's for sure but even then 
it's just dipping in, you know? And then it's going back to Capricorn. And we'll probably have more of the bank collapse storyline happening after June 11th for the rest of this year. And then top of 2024, it basically will be in Aquarius for the rest of the next 20 years. Um, so then you can expect the themes to really start showing up. Because if you have anything in Aquarius or, like, angular to it, like some of those angles we talked about or aspects before... Um, Pluto will touch those personal planets in your birth chart and it will transform them like for good permanently, right? Because Pluto takes so long, it doesn't retrace its steps. It doesn't come back. So it's permanent change. Um, so I don't know. It will be a wild 20 years of Pluto and Aquarius and the other planets changing. But this year's transitional. And we're maybe going to get some sneak peeks in this couple of months, but it's just like, it'll, then Pluto backs off. I think it's just going to be like, maybe we'll see some news headlines, right? Hear rumblings of mergers or something I don't know who knows we don't we haven't lived through this <laughs> you know <laughs> so what you guys just witnessed was Ryan in his flow state oh god and I just want to celebrate oh witnessing witnessing that that was oh god. impeccable first of all second of all holy shit the fact that you just pulled out that information <laughs> Without breath. <laughs> oh, God. I'm Ryan, so sorry. I'm Gemini. No, I'm long-winded. Stop. No. The, like, you know me well enough. Like, we're celebrating. And I, I say that because it's important that people understand that flow state can happen at any state. I celebrate that. That is a gift. And you just graced us with your flow state of your knowledge. Oh, my goodness. Like, if you guys don't realize that he is an expert, that was your... <laughs> that was your validation. Now I'm going to cue us back in and Ryan ask you, with that knowledge, for 2023, give us three words. What to expect this year? That is so good. Um, <clears throat> that is really, 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 really good. Uh, autonomy is a huge one. Mm. Um, it really is. Relationships. Or <laughs> like in for some like treats this year for sure. Not more so the second half of the year, but it's like a big deal. This like idea of you versus me, autonomy. That's what people are moving into. Better sense of self to better be in relationship in any structure of a relationship. Um, personal responsibility with that, right? Okay, autonomy, um, delusion. Um, because Saturn and Pisces, Saturn is what's real. It only wants to fuck around with what's real and Pisces rules escapism. It escapes into fantasy. It's the video gamers who lock themselves in their room 10 hours a day. It's the person who slips into alcohol to escape the real world problems, right? Saturn <laughs> only wants what's real. So it's in Pisces, it's going to really show you what's fantasy, what's real, how those lines are blurring in your life and where you need to create better boundaries and structure for yourself. Right. Um, but also I guess where you've, um, deluded yourself into thinking reality was set in a specific way too that's the saturn influence pisces is like the ocean saturn is like rocks it rules rocks so it's like the ocean erodes rocks over time right so your hard edges that are too hard will get smoothed out too but it's delusion i'm delusional about this fixed reality right pisces is gonna like bring some divine healing into that to loosen you up a little bit, but on the flip side, <laughs> if you're living in a fantasy land and like, I think a lot of the like crazy woo people that I'm seeing that are like, um, 
really dangerous. Spiritual psychosis is like one of the big things mm. that I would say. I could just use the word psychosis as well for delusion. It's like, it's so easy for that to happen to people. You know, it just, it just is this manifesting culture we have. And like, I was like, really like teetering on the edge of it and like played in it. But then you learn things about it. It's just like, it's scary. There's different things about it. Like there, the brain works different ways. We know what, uh, neurological disorders are now. And like the certain people with certain brain injuries literally cannot handle this concept of manifestation and it will ruin their life if they get sucked into the woo world, you know? So like yeah. we can't be delusional about this stuff. You have to be real and responsible and know what works for you and what doesn't. Right. Um, okay. Autonomy, delusion, trying to think of a really good one for 2023 is talking up to, to be real fun <laughs> i know but it is so but it's, transitionary yeah. like it's and like you said really it's, it's, a, it's the undercurrent this isn't like you it know is. expect these yeah. bright and loud the delusion thing will be a little bigger i think and the relationship thing will be the delusion is now in play it'll be in play for the next two and a half years really but it's really introducing itself right now the relationship autonomy thing second half of the year i don't want to use the pluto and aquarius to come up with my next word because it's just a peak at this year i don't i don't it's not this year okay uh investment um meaning this is going to be may 16th jupiter moves into taurus it's in a sign for like a year at a time so it's not that big of a deal but it's like a whole thing so i guess it'll be more of a second half of the year thing um but it's coming up real quick right here uh Jupiter expands. It's luck, abundance, right? Opportunity, but it's also exaggeration where we overdo it. Biggest planet in the solar system, right? So it's going to be like, it blows things up. Magnifying glass on the Taurus part of your chart. But Taurus rules uh, investments, money, currency, resources. But any, any, a lot of what's, what is a resource to you, right? It's not always just money. So for some people, this will be a really great time of it. Money expanding, right? The God bless you if that's happening to you. Like, good Lord. Jupiter and Taurus, please. Uh, would love it. Um, but it's also like re like a resource to you can be a talent, a skill. Like, are you useful in certain ways? Like that's a that's your you're resourceful. <laughs> so like whatever that is, and Taurus has so much to do about like our self-care routines and um sensuality um in a the literal like five senses term so it's it's like touch yes like like people exploring expanding their sense of like physical intimacy but also like enjoying like f a better relationship with food but also jupiter because taurus rules food um but it's also like uh I don't know it can explain like ugh, people with eating disorders will often have like things going on in Taurus and that could be like somebody who's really struggling with that mm. right so like are you over investing in that or like not investing enough in your nutrition right health or uh, the environment in general is also that so my point investment because Jupiter is going to put a magnifying glass on this earth sign that's going to really show you like what your resources are and where you're placing them. Like where are you storing them, spending them, <laughs> giving yeah. them out, whatever. What are you investing yourself into? It's, it's going to be shown to you so much. Even the people in your life, right? Who are you investing yourself with? Speaking of investments, jewelry is an investment I never regret. It's a staple for my self-expression. And as the goddess of expression, I want to feel divine everywhere I go. From tropical retreats to posting up behind the microphone, I'm wearing a Stay Gold Collective one-of-a-kind piece. 
Stay Gold Collective makes jewelry you won't want to take off and don't have to. It's perfect for gifts, treasured heirlooms, or just to add to your personal collection. Stay Gold Collective provides custom pieces made with intention. From the perfect everyday crescent moon earrings to the dazzling star signet necklace, not to mention their new gem drops, which feature hand-picked quality gems that easily slide onto any Stay Gold Collective necklace or chain, like their ethereal moonstones, which I love. Shop at staygoldcollective.com and follow the collective on the gram at staygold underscore collective. And as a loving listener, feel free to use our exclusive never expiring code GOODJUJU, that's J-U-J-U, for 20% off everything, always. Now, back to our sacred space. Let's wrap this thing up by... Me taking my mask off fully and giving you full permission to show off your services by reading a little bit of my chart. I told Ryan he has full permission. Um, I just like, I mean, I only picked like a few little themes, just knowing because like you're in, you are in such a stage at the moment. So, and I'm talking about a couple <laughs> things that we haven't discussed, I guess. Um, Copy that. Um, so your midheaven, midheaven is the tip top of the chart. It's like the moment of your birth. If you looked straight up in the sky it's like true north right so um that is peak of your birth chart it is peak expression of the life you will live it's very like legacy building stuff um and like i view it as like if you were to die what would people say at your funeral how would you be described those big labels that people just like refer to you as they don't know what you did always to get that label created for yourself, right? Like, I'm an astrologer. Doesn't mean everybody knows what I do on a day-to-day basis to fulfill that title. But it's, like, important. So what what do you amount to, right? It's big. It's a big part of your chart. The North Node, which is the life purpose. It's the soul's journey in this lifetime. It's not a destination, but it is the greatest point of evolution. It's fate. That is sitting on top of your midheaven. It technically has just passed it, technically, but, like, it's interesting because you look at this giant new endeavor you're on, and it's... Meanwhile, before it hit the midheaven, because they move backwards through the signs, it's kind of weird. Um, that, uh, and the North Node is not a planet. It's a theoretical point. I won't even get into it, but it's, it's a big, very, very like, whatever. It's a big point. Um, it, it's been going through your 10th house of career, going through Taurus since uh, the start of 2022. So it's a lot of like this oh, yeah. movement into it. And it's like difficult if we could all, you know, just like, follow our North node super easily, we'd all be living to our best potential. Everything would be amazing, right? We didn't like enlightened beings. So it's hard. It's going to cause growing pains, right? Um, especially as Taurus, it's the second sign in the springtime, right? So it's like when the seeds are trying to push themselves like through the dirt and reach up to the sun and grow, grow, right? Um, so that's you. You're like going through that growth phase. It hit your midheaven exactly like recently here in February. So like that first week of February, it was just sitting on your midheaven. Now it's a little bit past it, but it's still going to be there in that part of the sky for you, um, until July 18th. So it's just this huge growth point and career and legacy. Who do I want to be known as? What's my reputation? Like, what's my brand out in the world? That's that Yo, That's when that all happened. Mm-hmm. Isn't that weird uh, timing, right? I mean... And then, and you're not done, dude. Like, because <laughs> you're not. Like, it's so cool because then, didn't I just say that Jupiter's going into Taurus? Investment. 
in what? Your legacy, your reputation, your career. Like these things are going to matter and you have Jupiter on your side supporting your efforts. Jupiter's the leap of faith planet. Take risks. Like go big, you know. Um, With Taurus, it wants something sustainable. So I think it's like make a leap of faith in the move towards something you want to last, right? And provide you with nourishment um, your whole life long or whatever. But uh, I think like that's, you you have so much more expansion coming in. Like Jupiter's going to join the North Node on May 16th. It gets into Taurus. They meet up that first week of June. That first week of June is like, very, very important, I think, Jupiter and the North Node meeting, a once in every 12-year meeting where they're basically about to flip-flop signs, right? Like, because the North Node's going to move backwards into Aries, where Jupiter just came from. Jupiter's moving forwards into Taurus, where the North Node came from. Jupiter's a planet. It's physical, right? So it's going to it's gonna be talking a lot about, like, hey, like, here's the ways I've just expanded her. In the Ninth House for you, which Ninth House is brought up. Uh, publishing, broadcasting, so you're expanding your literal reach, the dissemination of voice and information is the ninth house where Jupiter's pushing you. And it's in Aries right now, which is a new endeavor, right? This is new for you. Hey, guys. (laughs) Cool, right? So Jupiter's going, and you do that with Jupiter. Like, you can use Jupiter. Like, it's so much more real. Um, The North Node is like, I view it like the universe kind of moving furniture around in like a energetic way. Mm. <laughs> and then like your real world changes like bit to, I, it, like, you know, it's like behind the scenes, like stuff that it's it trickles change. down into the real world. Like, yeah. It's energy. It's like non-physical change, but it changes the real world for you. That's like a North node experience in my mind. Them meeting up, switching spots. It's crazy to me. Um, because I feel like Jupiter's going to say, okay, here's all the ways that she now believes in herself, believes in, has faith in herself, has expanded her potential, knows she wants to reach and do new things, all this fresh energy in the ninth house. And it's going to be like, okay, North Node, universe, God, source, whatever you want to call it, now go into the, go where she just expanded her potentials and set up a new life for her, you know, like restructure that furniture. Like that's what it's going to do. And meanwhile, then you will get the hold of Jupiter in the 10th house where you're really experiencing the like flourishment of your career. You know, right now this is all new, right? Like mm-hmm. you're not experiencing the full potential of it yet. Mm-hmm. And I, you'll, you can go way after Jupiter leaves the 10th house, but you'll experience like a very big blossoming happening May until May of next year. It's a whole year. Um, wow. I know. And I just want to like validate that it's so important for you to be telling your story because you have your Mercury on your ascendant, literally by the degree. They're both at 17 degrees of Leo. Um, so Mercury was literally sitting on the horizon at the moment you were born, right? If that's where the soul shoots in and enters your body, it's like you just pit stopped at Mercury right before you came in. <laughs> what does that mean? Mercury is like the planet of communication, um, ideas, right? <laughs> Talking. But like in Leo, it's very expressive. It's the ability, it's you being an actor, being very good at getting into like a character head, um, uh, but needing to tell the story. Leo is the fixed fire sign, meaning it falls in the middle of a season. It's the middle of summer. So it's like, and go figure, Leo is ruled by the sun, right? And Leo season, it's just like the sun is beating down. It's so hot, right? It's just like it never ends, this heat. But it's like, <laughs> uh, because it's a fixed fire, it's like fire that's contained, so you think of it like a like a, a fire pit, and you're like getting people around, or like roasting some s'mores, and you like you're the person that tells the story that gets everybody invested, and it's entertaining. But you have a story to tell. A Leo has a gift to share. So the planets for you 
is is like the voice, the story. What's the story that you need to tell? I think that's like a really important one for you. Um, I just think it's really cool in general, um, <laughs> but it's like also touching specific parts of your chart, like Mercury rules, um, Gemini and Virgo. Um, Virgo is your second house of finances, money, resources, but also self-esteem, self-worth. Your self-worth will grow as you share what's on your mind more with people, um, and you will be validated and applauded for it. Like the Leo part of our chart is where we deserve that validation because we are gifted and our gift isn't just for show. Like it's a fake thing to say Leo energy is egotistical. It can be, but it's more about knowing you have something to give. Audiences clap. They go see shows for reasons. Like you, you are gifted when you see a performer do their thing, right? So you are a gift. It's meant to be shared. And that is the big thing, your voice. Um, wow. So that's ruling, <laughs> and it has the opportunity to make you money. But then also it rules Gemini, which rules your 11th house, which is the house of friends. It's literally where audiences live, where groups congregate. So mm. there is an audience for what you have to say. It's not just like I'm speaking and it's going absolutely nowhere. It'll fall on deaf ears. Nope. People will hear. It's a diverse range of people too, because there's Gemini in that part of your chart. So it's not just like this one super specific niche audience. I wouldn't pigeonhole yourself. I would... Expand. I mean, it's good to have branding and whatever, right? And Gemini is good at sticking to something for once. But, like, um, <laughs> I know how to personal Vibes. experience. Um, but it, it, you will appeal to a wide range of people. Oh, wow. Okay. Thank you. I mean, wow. I hope that helps. Oh, my gosh, you guys. I mean, that's, you know, we're just touching on the surface of, like, a few things, I'm sure. I mean, and just in that, the depth of which we can connect so many aspects of life just with a few aspects of your chart is so wild. And I just want to say thank you for showcasing your ability to take that tool and so seamlessly apply it to somebody. And so just to give it permission that like, okay, I'm aware that there's a map and that there's these stops I'm going to be taking. And I have the language to sort of understand what that means, but I'm a yes for it because I mean, it's it's written in the stars. It's going to happen. Mm -hmm. So I just sort of have to buckle up and be ready to do it. And I can imagine that when you're working with clients, what they feel in working with you is both such an objective and personal experience to be able to say, like, you're telling me something about me and they're receiving that. But your ability specifically to speak to these things with such natural cadence and with mm. so much grace I think is why you're such a great astrologist and really in your calling because you just make the people feel seen. And in doing that, you really serve that. Oh, thank you so much. I mean, it's so true. And like, I really, I really mean that. Like even just, I mean, <sighs> we're sitting here having a conversation, but you're giving me my chart and I'm going like, oh, right. Like as your client as well, I'm like, oh wow, you're so good at what you do. So thank you so much for sharing your information and your knowledge and your heart and your wisdom and your chart reading. It was just such a vibe. Oh my God, thank you so much. I appreciate that. That's, that's honestly the goal. It's, the, the, it's literally the goal. It makes me the happiest to do that, to be able to do that. Like for me, that's, that's gold, you know? And you can tell. I mean, you could like, I'm actually really grateful. And again, guys, I'm sorry, but I'm going to harp on it. Like, I'm so grateful that your flow state came out. Like, I know, I know you're I laughing, no, but that's, but like that's my it. version of channeling. I know what you mean. It's like, there's this 
thing that'll happen. Like, but it happens for different people in different ways. In different right? ways. When well, you were in your love, moment. When you're yes. doing what you're supposed to be doing. I'm going to just cap and saying such a language and you speak the language in such an expert way. And it's just a beautiful thing. And so I'm going to end this by asking you my few favorite questions. One being, what are you a yes for? Like at the moment or like, what? Oh, shit. Yeah, it's one of those. Right now, what am I a yes for? I'm really considering this. Um, kind of like the total unknown and all the possibilities that that could be. Like as much as astrology shows you all these places you can go, right? Like some of those roads are dark <laughs> mm. and you could go be, sometimes all the roads feel dark and you don't know where you're going. It's a big part of the Saturn and Pisces transit, but it's also just um, the space I'm in, right? We were talking about it a little bit before we started recording. I don't know <laughs> where I'm going to be in a year. I have no idea. I need to say yes to that. That's an element of surrender to just let it happen, right? So I'll say yes to that dark unknown and trust I'll be gently taken. I don't know. Mm, beautiful answer. And um, what brings you pleasure? <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. That's why I leave these for the end. I got, <laughs> I got an answer I shall not say. Um, no, permission portal, baby. Permission, permission for portal. all expression. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I'm dead. Um, I'm a nerd because it's really astrology that gives me pleasure. I know, stupid, but um, mm. I think like um, at the current moment, I'm watching Poker Face. The stupid answer, but I love that. Like, I never really watch things much anymore. Like, I, I used to be so good at it. Um, gives me pleasure is like uh, allowing myself, I guess, to be more uh, uh, sinful. I don't know how else to explain that. Like, I'm not. Uh, perfect. I'm never going to claim to be blah, blah, blah. blah. I, I, I love to go out and drink. <laughs> I'll stay out until 2 a.m. I'm just saying. I don't think um, it's, I loved the like couple years I was basically dating someone who was sober too. There was something beautiful and spiritual and connected about that. And like, I, I loved that life. It was cool. But I'm a Gemini. I'm mutable, adaptable. So now I'm in my party phase <laughs> a little bit a little bit not in like a great crazy way like I'm a, very thankful that I've never ever gone off the deep end in any way spirit living a spiritual life and have to consult with people I feel weird about it sometimes right what a dual life what a Gemini thing in that sense but uh that gives me pleasure right now and I'm experiencing that like unbound excitement which I've, I've experienced before but I'm back in that era right now I'm sure I'll walk tire of it soon and move on again I don't know Mm. you've actually done such a good job of this, this entire conversation of answering the question before I ask it. And no, and this one, it's so perfect because I go between this question for different people. And I was going to say, what do you feel you're giving yourself more permission towards? And it sounds like there's sort of that duality of this sort of holistic groundedness. And this also kind of untethered, we're calling sinfulness, but sort of this, I'm going to call it shedonism, not hedonism. Love it. Because no, like, love there's it. a little bit of, there's, there's awareness behind it. This is not, you know, chaos. This mm -hmm. is a choice that you're allowing yourself to indulge in these sort of carnal pleasures and yeah. these, you know, joys that sometimes have some, you know, stigma to them. But totally. you're aware totally. of that and you're owning that. Mm -hmm. So I feel like you've already given yourself that permission yeah. and it brings you pleasure. Yeah. So here's my last question. What does being human mean to you? <laughs> the wide eyes. <laughs> 
Um, it it oh, fuck. It's like <laughs> I mean oh. the most casual question, save for last. Uh, it is like the soul's greatest point of growth. Um, I, I can't go into like too much, <laughs> and I'm really not honestly all that woo. I really try to ground myself these days and like not be careful of what I say. It's where if I allow myself to embrace the difficult crap that is going on at any given moment, um, then I get the opposite side too. And I get the like pure beauty and the pure joy. Um, love. Like I get the higher expression of that. It's not even a spectrum. It's like a prism, you know, it's just like, uh, I don't know. It's, it's expansion in that sense. The soul expands. It feels like we're confined and we are, but that's where it's like, because we're choosing to expand spiritually, I think a human is expanding consciousness, knowledge, skills, whatever we are. The words expanding many non-physical parts of us in the physical. I think that's like the interesting thing that it is to be human is to actually be expanding your spiritual self. Like ultimately, it's like expanding something much much greater than you are. Just as the universe is ever expanding, we are here to ever expand as well. Just we're doing it in a body. It's weird <laughs> and it's literally hard. And that's what, that's what human is. So to be human is to experience hardness. Mm. It's making me think about the card that Ooh. you pulled. Oh, oh my God. I didn't even think about that. How bizarre. That, my dear, is good juju. <laughs> so I'll talk a little bit more about that at the beginning of the episode, but um, I'm going to actually have you read what the card means because it feels like it's, it's meant to be. That so find that out in the deck. Wild. So as you guys know, in the beginning of every episode, I start off the segment with good juju and we're just sort of pulling cards to bolster the feeling of the episode. I often pull and ask what it is that, you know, this episode's sort of going to bring out. And uh, the card that I pulled was shine your light. And the card that Ryan pulled was. Shut up. It's called body. <laughs> and like, I'm already reading the first couple of lines. I'm like, what? <laughs> that's weird and we chose not to look at the meanings of these until the end not knowing what they were going to be so we're kind of doing some good juju kind of all around here so what does it mean we my manifested love? that because this had we had no idea up until the end too yeah, like no. it was the last freaking moment here okay body um what is this thing this vessel that we are in oh come on <laughs> literally it says ugh <laughs> how ugh. hard right like ugh <laughs> I don't want it. Okay. Uh, ugh. It brings a whole other complication. Okay. Through this deck, there are lots of cards to help us understand our esoteric connections. But whether we like it or not, gravity still keeps our feet on the earth <laughs> in our fragile bodies. Injuries, sickness, our bodies are not as resilient as our spirits. We are born with instinctive fear to protect our bodies, to keep us alive. And the information we receive elevates that fear. Then, in addition to our fear, we are taught to hate our bodies and the bodies of other people. God, is so true. Created as a dichotomy in which we have ourselves, who we feel are our inner selves, and our physical body, which we may be, which we may disconnect from, or whether aware or not, do not believe it belongs to us. I wish that I could say I found a way to overcome this struggle myself, but I haven't. I am going through, <laughs> I'm going to try though, and maybe you can too. This is my body. It is the house to my sacred spirit, my ultimate power, and this body is going to get me where I need to be to shower the world with my vision and my abundance of love. 
So the body should be honored even in the face of those trying to disrespect it and take ownership over it. This body is mine and only mine. This body is strong. This body is mine. I mean, first of all. That's weird. So many synchronicities. Second of all, might be the longest description in the book. I know, I'm book. sorry. It was like long. <laughs> oh, God, like... it totally is. That filled every <laughs> big... Oh, my God, that was so long. That is but also, well, guys... Long-winded. No, that was so <laughs> perfect to end everything that we were talking about because it really is such a culmination of so many things that we tapped into. And that is from the Iris Oracle deck, if anybody is curious. And my last and final question is where can people find you, Mr. Ryan? Love it. Um, thank you. Uh, www. <laughs> Stands for the World Wide Web. Subscribe. Um, <laughs> uh, Ryan'sAstrology.com. Like Ryan's, R-Y-A-N-S, because it's my version of astrology. Ryan'sAstrology.com. Um, I'm on TikTok. That's more of like my platform I'm using these days. TikTok, at Ryan's Astrology. Um, I'm also on Instagram though, like kind of not as much these days, but still on it available, um, posting. Um, and I love my Instagram feed. It's at Ryan Marquardt, M-A-R-Q-U-A-R-D-T, but it's all linked on my website as well. So, uh, thank you. You can book me, um, connect with me, talk to me, engage, like all the shit. (laughs) And guys, I really encourage you to do so. Whether you're looking for deeper insight into astrology in general, your astrological chart, or just to connect with somebody who has insight beyond what you maybe have already tapped into, Ryan is the one to do it. So I just want to say thank you so much for being a part of the Permission Portal and for giving us two parts of such an amazing listen and such amazing downloads. What a gift. And until next time, until next time, thank you. Now let's crack it. Well, that concludes our two-part astrology episode. I hope you guys enjoyed Ryan's reading and can tell that the guy knows what he's talking about. Now, I like to close the portal with a segment called Do You Grok It? To grok is to intuitively understand and embody something without explanation or guidance. It's a feeling you can identify with even if it's not fully yours. After these convos, I want to check in. In this deep dive, Ryan offers us a permission portal through the stars. In part one, we're talking about the permission to learn a new language, allowing astrology to be a tool in your self-awareness. In part two, we examine how that self-awareness grants us permission to prepare and deviate from what that language can teach us. The ability to shine your light on what matters can be helpful with the illumination of your stars. If you're skeptical, you're doubtful, but you haven't ruled something out. If you're incredulous, you refuse to believe. You don't need to believe in a tool to use it. The eyes see only what the mind is prepared to comprehend. And as I said before, we comprehend language and we see stars. So there must be something to it. Do you grok it? Hey, pleasure seekers. I hope you guys vibed out to this episode. If you feel called to, please download, subscribe, leave a review, or share with a loved one. The ripple effect of these actions not only support me, but support others in discovering the permission that awaits them. Think of it as an act of love. If you're looking to connect with me personally or are interested in my coaching services and events, you can find me online at IamJuliaHenning.com or on Instagram at IamJuliaHenning. Tag me in the hashtag permission portal on your social media when you're listening and let's vibe. 
ready for the next permission portal. Look out for new episodes every Wednesday. And thank you all for tuning in and tuning inward. As always, it has been my pleasure.